I'm hoping that we have our limited edition gold Skylander Superchargers cartridge for N64s when those roll around. Hello and welcome everybody to the Geekscape Games Podcast. This is level 38, my little weeaboo. That's right, it's just me and Josh Jackson, the two fabulous pony lovers and all things Japan. Uh, Derek and Juan are MIA. Um, didn't really recover very much from post-Comic-Con, uh, even though we are two weeks out. Um, yeah, they just dropped like flies. I guess we're the the, the two pillars of, uh, of strength on this show. Yeah, two pillars of excellence, I say. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I do apologize for the quality of my audio. Um, my um, my new place does not have internet until Friday, so I'm at my office on my laptop with some iPhone headphones. So uh, hopefully when I run this through the compressor and do all my digital magic, it'll sound better. But this is just a temporary thing. It's not a permanence thing. Um, but uh, yeah, Josh, uh, I haven't seen you in a... Over a week, uh, how was your post-Comic-Con um, uh, hibernation? Um, good. Like I pretty much just hid away from society for the first week. Um, keep in mind, too, I was coming right off of Anime Expo after Comic-Con. So That's right. I, I just came home and crashed and didn't really do anything. And uh, the past week has just been really productive. I feel like we really could have used that rest because the site's just booming right now. I know it's it's great. Yeah, we uh we had a uh a redesign of the site get launched at geekscape.net. Um we got some new writers on board and we're we're always looking for new writers. So if you have any sort of an opinion, um hit us up. Uh we'd love to add you to the uh the roster. Um but what do you say we get into the news? Yeah, go for it. There's a lot to cover this week. Oh yeah, it's been it's been pretty good. Uh the first one on my list, um one that I think is when I initially read it, I was like, okay, that's good. And then I thought about it for a while, and I realized, maybe not so good. Uh, Street Fighter V, um, they're going to let you unlock uh, all the DLC content um, by playing the game and earning in-game currency, or you could just buy it for real money. Um, the three uh, talking points they put out um, when they announced it at EVO was uh, the initial release is going to be the only disc you'll ever need, um, that is a big improvement over Street Fighter 4, which had, didn't have like a $40, like, expansion upgrade, like a disc upgrade? Right, like, the way they did it was, I mean, technically you could have still just used your original Street Fighter 4 copy, as far as I remember, and you could download each update for like $20 each, or you could buy the disc standalone for 40 which had everything on it, including all the updates and the new characters. Plus the, plus the core game. Right. But okay. um, but the way they're doing it, it was now, still they're a $40, it... $40 upgrade regardless. Right, yeah. So they're making it sound like now it's just going to be your main game and then they're just going to constantly update it and any additional characters or, or um, updates are going to automatically be loaded on your system and then you can unlock the characters and I'm assuming costumes as well once uh, once you play the game and unlock what they're calling fight money, which is a callback to uh, Balrog's like death cry in street fighter four but oh really yeah but uh yeah they haven't really detailed though how you're going to earn this money or how much you're going to have to play but i mean you mentioned you mentioned that you thought about it more and you didn't think it was too good of an idea so i just was curious on why that was well um let me like let me expand on it um the the other thing um uh i'm looking at the the list okay never mind i read, I read that wrong that Everybody is like saying like, oh wow, they're, they're letting you earn DLC by playing the game and earning in-game content. And I was completely on board and that's my initial reaction. But then I thought, isn't that how it used to be? Like, you used to play the game over and over again, like beat the game with every character to earn this character or beat the game with this character to get this character. If it sounds like they're like, we're just coming full circle. And it's like, hey, play, we're, we're back to the old SNES days. Play the game to unlock new content. Um, and everyone's giving Capcom the thumbs up as this was like some brand new, like original idea. Right. Yeah, no, and I, I definitely see where that's coming from. Um, it's kind of weird when you think about it that way. It's like we are just kind of celebrating a feature that's existed in games for as far back as we can remember up until the most, uh, recent generation where almost everything was 
not almost everything, but like a big chunk of content was often hidden behind paywalls or DLC. And on one hand, I I agree with that statement, what you were saying, but at the same time, it's like, it's somewhat better to an extent because now instead of only having one way or the other, you're still going to have the option to do it both ways. That's so if true. you want if you want the new character but you don't have a bunch of time to beat the game with everybody, you still have the choice to buy it whereas if you are a dedicated player, then you can unlock the content just through your gameplay and you can kind of go back to the way things used to be where new characters are unlocked just by, you know, playing the game or being good at the game. And in a way too, it's also different because in the old days, or not even that old, God, I'm dating myself. <laughs> it's like but the old days of like 2000. Um, but, you know, back then all those characters were already on the disc, which I know in a lot of Capcom's most recent games, they were already on the disc when they sold them. But yeah. what they're implying here is like that potentially over like months or years time, they're going to keep releasing new characters like they did with Street Fighter Four. And they're going to be able to be constantly unlocked. Whereas even in the Super Nintendo days, like when Street Fighter 2 came out, you couldn't play as Bison, Vega, Balrog, or Sagat. And then a year or two later, they came out with like Championship Edition where you had to buy a brand new 50 or $60 copy just to be able to play as Bison. That's true. Whereas this model... And and this this series is is known for having fucking 50 different versions of the same game. Yeah, no, it's always been that way. Like with the exception, I think Street Fighter One was the only one that didn't get anything. But most people think the series started as two anyway, so it doesn't yeah, really matter. Well, I mean, they're 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 two different games. <laughs> Street Fighter One and yeah. Street Fighter Two. Yeah, I mean, Street, Street Fighter One. Like at the first time I played it, I was so disappointed. It was such a mess. Like, like wasn't that released on like the MSX and PC, and that was it? Yeah, and like arcades too. But before arcade, like I think it came out when the arcades are still recovering from the whole crash. Yeah. So no one really cared. <laughs> Not to mention so. it was terrible, but but yeah, and I noticed too that they were also mentioning, in addition to that news, that the game itself was going to start off with 16 characters, uh, four of which would be brand new, and they revealed one of the brand new ones uh, towards the end of Evo. So I mean, that's exciting news too. Now um, we talked we talked in the last podcast where um, you guys checked out the Capcom panel and that the new character was uh, they were like, oh, we're going to introduce a new character, and it was Ken. Um, we recorded that before I saw Ken. Um, I went by the booth at, um, at Comic-Con, and Ken looks hugely different. Like, he's got a complete complete redesign. Am I, am, I, am I correct at that assertion? No, yeah, they were emphasizing at the panel, too, that for the first time in series history that Ken was going to play completely different from Ryu, which um, we got, I believe Juan did as well, but I got the chance to play... Uh, with Ken on the floor after they announced it where it was kind of cool the way they did it because the demo I think that panel was the second day of Comic-Con and like the first day and then the first half of the second day the demo didn't have Ken on it and like the second they announced it they switched demos to include Ken right on but yeah when I tried him it's it was a bit like it was a bit over exaggerated to say he's nothing like Ryu because a lot of his you know core moves like his Hadoukens and Shoryukens and stuff are still there but and even a few of his combo setups were the same, but overall, like his technique and his playstyle are much more aggressive. His hurricane kick goes in an upwards arch and then kicks him back down at the end instead of just going straight forward. He has like a new dive kick attack, and then his yeah, new... yeah. And actually, we, um, uh, you know, I I hate to be an asshole, but we like went over this uh, uh when we were still in the hotel room. So that was. That was many weeks ago. Right, right. So yeah, many I mean, memory, many memories in that hotel room since we recorded that show. Right, right. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, it's he's he's heading towards the right direction. Not completely different though. Yeah, um, it, it's looking like Street Fighter Five is going to be a potential day one purchase for me. Yep, beta uh, comes out tomorrow too. Ooh, ooh, open beta. Uh, yeah, I think you have to pre-order it. Ugh. Just do what I do and pre-order it, play the beta, and then cancel the pre-order. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I have the promise to myself: twenty fifteen year of no pre-orders, and I don't, I don't think I can, I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, but here's the thing, though: once you cancel it, you don't. It's not pre-ordered anymore, so you're still keeping your promise. Mm, I'll think about it. Yeah, I'll think for- about it. <laughs> 
Yeah, because we need to we need to finally play some stuff since Derek's ignoring your destiny requests. Yeah, that's right. Like I've I've hit my goal. Uh, we've been just blowing up at Geekscape.net, and so I've hit my goal. And Derek has to play Destiny with me now. <laughs> he's, he's, still, been, he's still not going to. You know, he's not going to. Um, yeah. So, anything else on Street Fighter Five? I, I mean, it's it's looking it's no, looking it's, looking pretty good. Shaped up to be a good game. Yeah, no, it's looking impressive. Not quite, uh, not quite as impressive though as Shenmue's Kickstarter. That was terrible. Oh no, that was perfect. That it was, was a... it was perfect, but. <laughs> not with uh not with that weird pause but anyway enough of the <laughs> enough of the background banter about how we don't know what we're doing um Shenmue 3 um speaking of impressive Shenmue 3 I, you, you know I edit six. out the pauses right um, yeah of course I hopefully edit out this part too <laughs> <laughs> but that's like my catchphrase edit that out <laughs> edit that out Shane um, but uh Shenmue 3 was the highest grossing game related Kickstarter in the website's history, which followed up the record that it achieved with where it became the fastest game to reach a million dollars when it did it in about two hours, which was also the second fastest project to do so in the website's history across all mediums. Yeah. But um, Shenmue, it ended up with about what? It was $6.6 million as its final total, correct? Uh, 6.33. 6.33. And it was, uh, that was just, what, a, about a month or so worth of, uh, yeah, worth it, of funding. I think, I think it was, it was almost like 30 days to the, to the T. Right, right. And then, you know, one thing that we commented on is, you know, it broke, it broke all those records and that's definitely good news. And now there's no way for them to deny that there's a demand for this game, which seemed to be the main thing that was holding them back from releasing it for the last 12 years or 14 years or however long it's been. But at the same time, $6.6 million isn't a whole lot of money compared to how much the previous Shenmue games cost. Yeah, weren't they so, like in the, the neighborhood of like like $60 million? I think the first one cost $70 million. Jesus. And then I don't remember how much the second one cost. But, um, but yeah, it's already been confirmed a while ago that Sony and I believe one other... Uh, company was fund was helping fund the game for the rest of the cost, so we'll just have to see how far they take it. But I guess the only thing I'm concerned about, and I've said this for a while, uh, that with Shenmue you don't have to give it like the most modern graphics or like the biggest like highest end presentation because everyone who's in love with that game is going to be so nostalgic for it that you could pretty much keep the same graphics and presentation from the old games and I would imagine that it would be a lot cheaper to do that now than it was 14 years ago when it cost 70 million and people would be satisfied but if they decide to really give it the full on modern treatment and could potentially drive up the price I mean hopefully this doesn't end up like some Kickstarter projects where it's just in development forever and then when it comes out it ends up being a lot less than what we were expecting like well here let me let me ask you this question um and I I've, I've been thinking about this a lot I've um Shenmue like let's plays have been coming up in my YouTube feed uh like crazy since this has come out and there's a YouTube channel I follow um uh Funhouse fairly big channel they're part of Rooster Teeth and they they were playing it uh Shenmue one um and I can I can see I can see people's attraction for any game like i may not play sports games but i know why someone would want to play fifa um i'm not into uh visual novels but i can see why someone would want to play it um you know i i, I what is what is the fandom for shenmue 3 like is the story good or do are people playing it ironically because the voice acting is bad and the tank controls are bad like like what like are you a fan of this game like what's your attraction to it well, I love the game series. Like I've said it during the E3 episode, I believe it was, where at this point I'm a little not necessarily over it to where I won't play it, but I'm not like super excited because so much time has passed that like you know, eventually you've, you're let down enough times. The same with the Last Guardian, you're let down enough times and then when it, you when it finally does come up your kind of enthusiasm or passion's kind of sucked out a little bit. So that's kind of where I'm at with Shenmue 3, but in terms of what the attraction of it is, I no, people who play it are really, really passionate about it, and there's definitely no irony in, at all in it, as, unless it's like the Resident <laughs> Evil 1 type of irony where 
you can openly poke fun at the terrible dialogue or voice acting, but still the, enjoy yeah. the game. What, what, I, what I liked when when they they re-released that game on the GameCube and completely redid everything on RE1. Right. But then, but then when they re-released it on the DS, they kept was... all the shit for the <laughs> PS1. Like I was like, what the fuck? That, uh, that was. I, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, no, I remember that. And they added those weird first-person knife fights, too. Yeah. <laughs> where you had to swipe with the touchscreen to cut the zombies when they were walking up to you. Yeah. No, but Shenmue, I guess... Yeah, that's another hard sell with Shenmue. Because everything that made that game great when it came out has... It, for one thing, it was a real like trailblazing type of game. It was doing things that were years ahead of its time, which is part of the reason why it was so expensive. But... You know, nowadays there's plenty of games that do what it did and did it better. I mean, there's still really no games that do everything that it that Shenmue does in one game because on one hand, Shenmue is like a life simulator with like a living, breathing town where everyone has a set schedule. The stores are open certain times. They walk home to the same house every day. There's no repeat NPCs. Everyone has their own life and personality outside of it. And then and there at the time, the- at the time, that was like next level shit yeah like even now like as great as gta 5 is you can walk you can't walk a block without seeing like three of the same person yeah so i mean it was uh and on top of that it was just like it mixed detective you know visual novel type gameplay with um with like the collecting aspect and uh real in-game real time um like community aspects like Animal Crossing except it didn't use like a real life 24 hour counter. Yeah, it had its own game time. Yeah, and then it had uh it had other Sega games that you could play within the game like Animal Crossing 2. <laughs> it had uh and then a lot of people don't know this nowadays especially if you're just jumping on the Shenmue train, but um it was actually supposed to be a virtual fighter RPG at first. What? Yeah, and the main character was supposed to be Akira, which is why Ryo kind of looks like him and fights uh, similar to him. But like when right. you get into fights in the game, it uses like the virtual fighter mechanics with like these complex combos and stuff. Oh, okay. So it's like and it was also the first major game aside as far as I remember aside from uh Dragon's Lair where it pushed a lot of the fast-paced action scenes through uh quick time events which for better or for worse are like in every game now. But well, at the well, time, I mean, like Shenmue it, was like one of the only games that was really doing that, and it was really revolutionary for its time. On top of everything else, yeah, I mean, and games like like Dragon's Lair, I mean, that that, uh, that was quick time. There wasn't anything. I mean, yeah, there wasn't anything else. Yeah, so I would I would I would want to say like as much as I love Dragon's Lair and like all of Don Blue's animations, I would have to say Shenmue is kind of the uh, pioneer. I guess is the best way to describe it of. of of how and maybe they're at fault for being so freaking pervasive in gaming right right and yeah that's why it still kind of makes me cringe a little bit when it seems like most people credit those to god of war nowadays yeah like they'll be like oh the thing that god of war started now everyone else is doing it when it was like shenmue was doing it (laughs) it was doing it since and i always like i always attribute those to re4 um like it, like during the cutscenes, where like you have to keep the controller up, or, or Leon's gonna get killed. Yeah, and um, some of those are really tense too. I remember that knife, that knife fight with Krauser. Just like I had to do it, fucking fifteen times. God, God when you mess up and he just slits his throat. Yeah, it's like oh Jesus. Man. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but yeah, I mean, as far as Shenmue, it's kind of I do understand that nowadays it's really dated. Like keep in mind too that. The controls, even back then, were considered kind of bad, but that was back when, like, Resident Evil and Dino Crisis were commonplace, where everything was tank controls if it was in Dude, a 3D space a, outside of Mario. We need a new Dino Crisis. That game was fucking hilarious. Yeah, awesome. I think I, I think I they dropped it because they came out, like, Dino Crisis 3 completely bombed. Ooh. And they just dropped it. But then again, it was an Xbox exclusive that got no advertising, so I don't know what they expected. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, like, I'm just really hoping that Shenmue 3 turns out great, and, uh... It's definitely a game that I feel like needs to be played and even then might need to be played in the context of 1999 when all of this stuff was new to really grasp the effect that it has on people. But, but is that is that really worth $6.3 million then? I mean, just for like a nostalgia bomb. And like today, I wrote an article um, about um, Jurassic World's uh, box office gross. 
Right. And I, I, I posed a question like, it earned like $1.5 billion at, at box office and it only has one other market to open up in. Like, is it, did it earn that money or is, is it purely nostalgia? And is, is something, uh, like worth the nostalgia? I mean, like, I don't know if I'm explaining it right, but like, is 6.3 worth just the nostalgia of, oh, like, well, we're going to play another Shenmue game. It's like, like, spend your money on like Shenmue 1 and, and just play that. Like, I don't, I, I feel like, Someone for like uh, Suzuki who wants to finish his story and how he uh, looks at it in the narrative sense. Yeah, he wants to finish it, but I, I don't. I just, I just don't see if it's worth six point three pe- million dollars from people just donating on Kickstarter. Right, and yeah, it's it's a two. I guess it's a two pronged response. Like one, as you were alluding to, it's like people want to finish the story like just as bad as Suzuki does because. The game from the very beginning when it came out was promised to be, I think they said it was going to be 11 or 13 chapters. I don't remember. Yeah, and it was like, it it's a, at least eight, I recall. Right. And then like each game was going to be, I think part one was the only one that was just one chapter. And then part two was like three or four. And they said it was going to take about four or five games to tell the entire story that he wanted to oh. tell. Okay. So I think, and part two ended on this huge cliffhanger that really didn't mean anything to anybody. So it kind of left you hanging like, oh, I wonder what that's going to be. I wonder what that's going to turn into. And nothing for 14 years. So there's that aspect. And then two, back to the whole effect of where you have to, you kind of had to be there to really, I guess, pick up on the passion that people have for the game is that even if the game does end up being dated and it is just on this on nostalgia i think most of the people who did donate that 6.3 million dollars don't care and they would be happy with something that's a carbon copy of shenmu 1 or 2 with with a new environment and new story and they'd be perfectly satisfied with it just to be able to play a new game in that series after so long yeah and i guess i guess i shouldn't denigrate people for spending their money on stuff that they're they're passionate about cuz i mean i've i've spent money on stupid shit before myself so yeah we were just at um, comic con so there's oh, plenty yeah. of stupid well, hey, shit there i didn't spend money on anything stupid there right everything was a sound investment my my little pony comic con exclusive is gonna is gonna bankroll my future let's <laughs> wait a couple years it's gonna be worth millions <laughs> what is going to be worth millions is the minecraft movie um, and its director, the live action Minecraft movie's director was announced the other day, and it's Rob, uh, McElhenney. I can never pronounce those Irish names, even though I have an Irish last name, but Rob McElhenney, or you might know him as Mac from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, has officially been announced as the director of the live action Minecraft movie. When I saw that, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought I thought the Onion wrote that article, but it was from Mo Yang's official website. And you know, I I, I did some digging. He's had no other directorial credits outside of um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but he just landed a deal with Legendary Pictures for another um, uh, f- young uh, family movie uh, called Figment, where. Um, this fa- uh, this boy and his family have to face their greatest fears when their his overactive imagination comes to life. And Legendary and Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers is doing the um, Minecraft movie. They have a, a very close close relationship, and they they work on a lot of projects. So I really think that somebody over at Legendary, because uh, when he got this he got this uh, pitch for Figment, this uh, he's writing it and directing it. He got this. Uh, um, Locked down. Somebody at Legendary had to have gone over and been like, "Hey, Minecraft movie. We we got we got Max <laughs> demo, and he is perfect for it." Um, but at the same time, Mo Yang made the announcement first, not Warner or Legendary or anybody else. Um, how do you? Um, I, I I really haven't seen anybody's responses to this. I mean, I know mine. Like, it, it, it's going to be odd to see him outside of the show that we've known for. 10 seasons that's very crude and kind of pushes the envelope but if if two studios you, you okay <laughs> sorry that's... is that the is that your cat yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's hilarious um 
but like, t- that 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 director's choice makes my cat <laughs> sick. <laughs> but but two studios uh, feel like to put them in front of some. Um, I mean, Figment probably not a, as big of a property as the Minecraft movie. Um, but what do you think? I I haven't really like heard anybody's uh, thoughts on this. Um, I'm still having trouble wrapping my head around what a Minecraft movie would even be about. Yeah. Um, it just seems, I don't know, it just seems weird to me. I mean, if with enough creativity, they can make a good movie out of almost anything, but I don't know. Did then you see it, Pixels? I was just going to say, then again, the reviews <laughs> for Pixels are coming out, and it sounds terrible, so that's an example of a great concept that just got pissed away, so I have no idea. But yeah, no, I mean, I had no idea what his background was until you just mentioned it, and does seem like an odd choice considering that you know he doesn't have a whole lot of projects under his belt i mean then again if that's the kind of humor that they're going for and then again you have to keep in mind that as big as minecraft is it's probably going to make millions of dollars regardless of who's directing it yeah it's it's kind of um uh what i what i like to call like pac-man fever like like minecraft and angry birds are like the modern day pac-man fever where it's fucking everywhere it's so pervasive uh, people are, you know, there's so many like products, and everyone uh, is is talking about it. A parent is gonna say, "Oh, Minecraft! My kid plays that. Um, I'm gonna go dump him at the Minecraft movie while I, I, I don't know, I go get day drunk and ponder cheating on on his father." Uh, Assuming <laughs> his father's still there. That got dark real fast. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, I mean, you said that like, what could a Minecraft movie be about? Um. Telltale's making the Minecraft Telltale game, and they've gleaned a story out of it, even though I think the story is a little bit inside baseball. Um, are you familiar with what the Telltale story is going to be about? Mm-mm, no, not at all. Basic- I usually wait until they're all out, and I can play it all at once instead of having to wait for each episode. Yeah, and basically, um, well, none of them are out yet. I saw, we just have the trailer up on Geekscape.net. And oh, right. If I can remember, it's... Uh, a group of characters that each represent like the kind of person you would meet on a Minecraft server. So there's the griefer, there's the thief, there's like the master builder, and then um, you play as like just a like a generic character, and they have to go on an adventure to to save the world from evil. Which I think th- there is a story in Minecraft where you're you know you eventually fight the Ender Dragon, um, but. Uh, that's what they're, I mean, that's their, their characters. And the cast on the Telltale game has got a lot of people on it that I can't remember. I will look it up right now. But, um, do you, I mean, do you have any, like, reservations to see Mac from Always Sunny in Philadelphia directing this movie? Um, not particularly, hey. but only because I don't really see myself watching the Minecraft movie regardless. Well, we have to. It's, it's going to be part of our, our show. We have to watch it. Yeah, but I mean, I can just read or hear the spoilers from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we will be sure to spoil the Minecraft movie on Geekscape <laughs> Games for you. Um, yeah, that's some inside base. Uh, anyway. Um, the funny thing is I didn't even mean it that way until after I said it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm looking at the people that are in the story mode. Patton Oswalt, Brian Posen, Ashley Johnson, Scott Porter, Martha Plimpton, Dave Fenny, Corey Feldman, Billy West, and Paul Rubens. So it's got a lot of people in it that are, have some acting chops. So I, 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 knowing, I don't know, just knowing, uh, Rob's passion and like the way he got his deal at Legendary, he like, he made a 20 minute sizzle reel and like, like ostensibly like stormed his way into a meeting and was like, here's my demo. Let's, this is, this is what the movie I want to make. And they're like, got it signed. You're, you're on board. So that's how you got to deal with legendary. So uh, I, I have faith. I have faith. Yeah, no, I'm hoping. And I know you're also going to be hoping that there's going to be dark Bowser Skylanders uh, available at Toys R Us. Oh God, screw that. It's, <laughs> it's such a hassle. I mean, did you read the story or you know oh, I, how they're doing it? No, I, 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 I kind of gloss over Skylanders. I barely absorb Amiibo news because I just want the, the girls. Right. So you're gonna have, you're gonna have to educate me. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, it basically just made bad news worse. But <laughs> like right before Comic Con, and I'm assuming they announced this because they had them on the floor. But every year they have a collector's edition for the game called a Dark Edition, which usually comes with a few extra figures that aren't in the standard 
um, starter pack plus uh, dark versions of the uh, regular characters and they show up in the game um, as dark variations as well so it's not just the toy but the actual character in the game and now now think, if if you if you get the dark version are you only like limited to the dark version in game or can you play like both skins oh no you would have to have the other toy also which <laughs> so is why which is part of the reason why it sucks so bad because like originally <laughs> you know with the regular skylanders like in the, i think in the original game the dark ones are also slightly stronger but i don't know if that's still the case but the thing with the old ones is that you know with you could just buy a dark edition if you really wanted the regular skin there'd be billions of the regular ones floating around within six months when the kids get tired of them and you could just pick them up on the cheap or whatever yeah but with these with the donkey kong and the bowser only being sold in the starter packs for the wii wii u and ds versions and they're not going to be sold outside of those starter packs because they said they don't want them sitting on the shelves and then some parent buying it for their kid's Xbox copy and then getting mad that it doesn't work on Xbox. No, why, or, uh, why is it locked down? Did they ever say why it's locked down? Um, because it's Nintendo's characters and they're not going to want them to appear anywhere else. Plus it gives That's... them incentive. Like, Skylanders has had a loose relationship with Nintendo for a while where they even had a Wii U bundle that came with a special, like, golden Skylander that you could only get by buying a $350 console. <laughs> but... But yeah, it's like basically just incentive for people to buy the Wii version, which is working in a way because every Skylanders game we've owned has been on our Xbox, and this time we were already committed to getting the Wii U version just for Donkey Kong. But the thing that really sucks about this now is that now that they've announced dark versions of Bowser and um, Donkey Kong, you're pretty much going to have to choose between the regular Donkey Kong and Bowser or the dark Donkey Kong and Bowser. <laughs> and since they're never since the regular ones are never going to be sold independently outside of like used or secondhand sellers which are probably going to fly off the shelves with the way amiibo sell. Yeah. It's like the only way to guarantee that you're going to be able to get every version of Bowser and Donkey Kong is to buy four copies of the game. And then with Dark Bowser being cuz what we were going to do is we were going to get Bowser from the 3DS version. Because what they were doing is selling Bowser with the Wii and 3DS versions and then selling Donkey Kong with the Wii U version. But if you want Dark, and we had no interest in the Wii version, but if you want Dark Bowser, you could only get it at Toys R Us, and it's only going to be in the Wii version, not the 3DS. Like so, like straight like the straight up like the the dead console Wii. Yeah, the dead Wii. Wait, that's the only way to get Dark Bowser is to buy the the Wii version, not Wii U, just Wii. Right. What the? Because regular <laughs> regular Bowser is going to be in the in the old Wii and the 3DS version, but from what they've said so far, the 3DS version isn't going to get a Dark Edition. So if you want Dark Bowser, you have to buy the Wii version for the console that hasn't had any hasn't had any like major releases in like two years. Oh my and god! On top of that, you're gonna have to buy a 3DS version for regular Bowser, two Wii U copies for the Dark Donkey Kong and the regular Donkey Kong. And if you care, and since Donkey Kong and Bowser are replacing the regular Skylanders that would normally be in the starter set. If you want the regular Skylanders too, you'd have to buy a regular copy on like PS4 and then a dark edition on PS4. So you have to buy uh, six copies. Uh, is is Skylanders going to come out on the PlayStation Two now? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I have no idea, but I'm hoping that we have our limited edition gold Skylander Superchargers cartridge for our N64s when those roll around. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm... but I mean, God, and I don't know. It just seems like the the whole Toys to Life genre has had just a ton of bad news this week because uh, we also, and it's not on our list, but uh, um, Palutena, they announced, is going to be an Amazon exclusive, and they just announced today that she's going to go on sale at strictly at 2 p.m. on Friday. So and then they're turn they're disabling one-click say um, one click ordering, so everyone's going to be have like an equal chance to get her as long as you're cr- uh, camped in front of your computer at See, 2 I- o'clock. I, I as I want all the the girl amiibos, but I don't know. Like, let me let me see if I can look her up. Uh, yeah, no. To me, she, like I wanted to make sure I get all the Pokemon and Kid Icarus characters, if nothing else. So that's a must own for me. I'm still gosh. trying to figure out what to do with Dark Pit, but I mean, outside of and while you look that up, outside of the Palutena news, uh, Europe, and most likely we're gonna get them eventually. But there's no official announcement here. But Europe announced that they're going to have uh, Mario Maker bundles that are going to come with the 
classic Mario amiibo, and I believe there's a, I believe they said there's going to be a bundle with the modern colored Mario as well. Yeah. Well, then, uh, well, I know that the, if I recall correctly from E3, the modern pixel Mario amiibo is going to be on its own, and the only way to get the retro coloring is to get the bundle. Or, or am I? completely up my own ass. No, I know that there's a few different ways. It's just this link's not opening for me, so I have to open it a different way, which is why oh, I sound you... wildly unprepared right now. But... <laughs> well, the, it's it's just a Twitter link, and it's just like, it launches uh, uh, 11-9, which is Nintendo of Europe, so that's September 11th. <laughs> and um, y- there's a console there's a console version, um, a console bundle that comes with um, uh, obviously the Amiibo, but oh, what the hell, like a thing? It comes with a thing? I don't know what this is. I'm looking at the box, and it's like, like a book, maybe? I don't know. And right. then th- there's the a limited edition pack, which looks like it comes with everything minus the console. And then there's just the standard edition pack that... Oh, that's the book. That's like the, the preset like like style guide book that um, has like pre-made levels in it that you can just recreate. So um, at least it's not like... As convoluted as the Skylanders bundles. Yeah, it's still a little confusing, though, because I'm reading over it and still can't... It makes it sound like there's going to be a console bundle, and then there's going to be a limited edition game bundle that's going to have everything that the console version has minus the console, and then there's going to be one that comes with the classic Amiibo, and then you can buy the modern Mario Amiibo separately or with the console bundle or something along those lines. Let's see. But yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of different ways to buy it, and I'm Still not too clear on how it's all going to work, but I guess they'll f- once it comes to the states, they'll figure it out. I'm sure. Yeah, once once we get our our press releases uh, from Nintendo, we'll we'll have more coherent information for you. Um, yeah, uh, I actually do like how the retro Mario Amiibo looks. It's pretty it's pretty enticing. Yeah, no, right. I really like the way both of them look. Yeah. Um, Did you see how big they are? Yeah, they're huge. They're yeah. huge. They're like like baseball sized like they're pretty big and i have to say just looked up the palatine amiibo not doing it for me really not doing it for me so i think i might have to skip on her uh is it because she already has that ring glowing behind her head so you don't need anything to polish her off with (laughs) maybe maybe (laughs) um the um, other really interesting thing that came out yesterday was um, it was seemingly out of left field, but I think Disney is really trying to push Star Wars right now, is um, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2 is coming to the Mac App Store and Steam OS with uh, a huge update. Um, it's going to get ported to modern Mac, Linux, and Steam OS, um, and it's going to include the a huge update, which I believe is called Sith, Sith Lords Restored Content Mod, uh, a mode that completes KOTOR 2, which uh, had missing chunks at launch. Uh, KOTOR 2 had a bunch of bunch of stuff missing from it, but it's getting re-released. It's getting um, pushed up to 5K resolution, which is a whole 1K more than 4K, which is four times 1080p, so it's going to look pretty. I just don't know if they're... I mean, they might be up, upping the, the, te- the textures... And making it render in 5K, but I don't know if they're going to completely redo the models. Um, but it's getting full modern um, support from SteamOS, uh, which, and they're going to add it to the Steam Workshop. So all those Steam Workshop mods are going to work for it. Um, I never played Kotor 2, but it's really exciting to see um, uh, games that have such a cult following getting these reboots. And it's only 10 bucks. Oh, bucks. 10 bucks. I was going to ask how much is it going to be. Yeah, it's only $10. Um, so I, it's 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 really refreshing to hear these kind of releases coming out. And it's, it's, it's obviously better than the $6.3 million Shenmue 3. <laughs> <laughs> but at least that game was released, though. It's true, true. No, and, um, yeah, and I love KOTOR 2. I mean, KOTOR 1 was worlds better, but I mean, KOTOR 2 still has a place in my heart and by the way it's funny that they kind of completely skipped over 3k like just, yeah i guess i yeah. don't want to be associated with that but <laughs> wait what's 3k oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> it's like we just went from 1080p to 4k it's like unless i missed something but um I, did you make that joke on purpose um yeah kkk yeah 
Okay, all right, good. Un- 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 unlike the spoiler joke, which is a complete accident. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, um, there's not much else on our list that's super um, that I wanted to touch on. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, just briefly, since um, since it's coming up this weekend, uh, Guitar Hero Live, if anyone's interested in playing it, it's actually a lot different from the previous Guitar Hero games. We did a E3 write-up when we got to play it there. But certain Best Buy locations are going to have it demoing this weekend. I believe it's only Saturday, but I might be wrong. Um, so if you wanted to get a chance to try that out with the new um, six-button setup, then go ahead and try it out. Let us know what you think. Um, outside of that, they just announced that Pokin Tournament is also going to be getting a limited release for test audiences at Dave & Buster's locations. Now, whether or not it'll be at every Dave & Buster's or certain ones wasn't mentioned, but uh, we're confident that with how many like Mario Kart arcades that they have at every one that I go into, there's no doubt that Pokin should be in at least every major market. So at least we'll be able to get our hands on that soon. And outside of that, I mean, Tony Hawk 5 looks terrible. That was a story. <laughs> I, I, mean... <laughs> I, I, I saw the trailer. The trailer for Tony Hawk 5 is coming out, and it, it doesn't look good. I mean, it, I mean, the graphics don't look good. It, it looks fun to play, um, but it doesn't look good at all. Right, right. And which kind of reminds me of what we were saying about Shenmue, where I feel like, and Shenmue could get away with this too, where they're just kind of going with bad graphics on purpose to give it the same feel and look as the old ones. Which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, um, it, now, see, there's the last like five years, there was this huge um, tr- trend, huge fad for like retro graphics, all, like a lot of pixel art, a lot of eight bit, sixteen bit um, stuff, and then even games that were just like like fucking four bit games where it looked like an Atari, but you know had amazing music and amazing gameplay. This is interesting that. There, the new retro trend could potentially be games from 2004. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you remember the GoldenEye remake on the Wii? Yes, I Where... bought it. Oh, no, no, there was a GoldenEye remake on the GameCube. Oh no, they they like flat out did a GoldenEye remake on the Wii a few years ago, where it was it was with Daniel Craig, but it was the story of like the Pierce Brosnan GoldenEye, and it was supposed to be like a remake of the N64 or, like actual GoldenEye game. Oh, was it in a rail shooter? Uh, no, no, it was uh, first FPS, full-on that's, FPS. That's, hold on. It's hold actually on. one of my favorite games for the Wii. It was really well done, but there was so much internet rage at the time because they purposely made the graphics look like slightly better N64 graphics. And everyone was so pissed. They're like, oh, this looks like crap. Like, we've been waiting for a new GoldenEye all this time, and then you make it look like crap. And then that was kind of the point because they were trying to kind of allude to the N64 version in almost every way, minus not being able to put Pierce Brosnan in it, so... Okay, and, um, there was the GoldenEye Rogue Agents on uh, yeah, the not GameCube, that one. and I loved that one. I, I, it, it, I loved it. That was, that was so much fun to play. Um, but GoldenEye 007 was, came out in 2010 on the Wii. Uh, I'm gonna have to pick that up. No, pick it's that a up. lot of fun. It actually had a pretty big online community. Is, is, is the Wii U backwards compatible? Yeah, it is. Okay. But I don't think any of the online servers are up anymore. Oh, who, who the fuck cares? Yeah. Um, I'll have and, to find that. It, it, got a, it got a 9.7 on IGN. Probably had too much water <laughs> to get that 10. <laughs> it's not, it was a really good game. And it even had the same like health bars and stuff, too, with like the little pegs on the sides. And if you picked up body armor, it was blue on the opposite side. Oh, that's cool. But no, it was a really good game. And then just the last thing that we want to cover, since we're one story away from actually completing our list for once, just wanted to touch on the whole, speaking of the Wii getting shit on and screwed over um project cars ended up getting canceled uh for the wii u which if i i might be wrong but if i remember correctly that kickstarter started off as a wii u game and was added to everything else through stretch goals and then after a long period of development issues they just flat out canceled it for wii u which while the same thing won't happen with shenmue i'm sure or at least I hope, that's always kind of the cautionary tale of dealing with Kickstarters. You might not get what you were promised in the end, or at least what you were expecting. So okay. you're going to have to be careful with who you're dealing with. Yeah, um, it's a bummer. Um, I, I, I meant to play Project Cars. I just, I just keep forgetting to. I, I did start playing Drive Club. Uh, let's get into what we've been playing. Uh, <laughs> um, before I left for Comic-Con, uh, I started playing Drive Club, 
uh, the PS Plus edition. And there's a lot of good content in there. Um, did we talk about this? No, I don't think we did. Okay. Um, I, I feel like I did. Anyway, I think the free content that's on Drive Club PS Plus edition, I feel like if it's enough, uh, it's an, it's enough that if you, uh, it's enough to, to satisfy a lot of people's, uh, thirst for a driving game. Like some driving games I get, cause I'm a huge Forza fan. I like simulation racing games, but sometimes I get a third of the way in and I'm just like, all right, I'm, I'm done. I've gotten what I want out of it. I've gotten my money's worth. And I feel like the PS plus edition, uh, will satisfy that. And then you can be like, okay, Hey, I want more. I'll, I'll pay the upgrade fee. Um, so, but project card has always been something I've wanted to play, but I've skipped over it. Um, yeah, uh, and I haven't really played much video games just because I got back from Comic Con. I went to, I stayed in Santa Monica for a bit. Um, I, I played Street Pass, got back to Alaska, and then immediately moved into my new place. So the only game I've played was, uh, my buddy got this board game called Legendary Encounters. Um, it's an upper deck game. And it's called um, Legendary Encounters, an alien deck-building game. And in, when I say alien, it's like the alien movie franchise. So you can play through Alien 1, Aliens, Alien 3, and Resurrection. And basically what it is, is uh, it, it's kind of... You have to sit down and spend like 20-30 minutes to to explain how it works. But there's like pre-made objectives from each movie... And, um, you just have to, it's a co-op board game, which is, there's, there's options to play it competitively, but, um, co-op board games are really, really fun. Um, we weren't able, like, I've only played one match with my two other buddies, and we, uh, we didn't, we, we died. But there's, there's a lot of, uh, cool stuff to it. It, there's a lot of complexities to it, but you can easily pick it up. Um, so check out Legendary Encounters from Upper Deck. It's, um, it's super fun. And, uh, it's just one of those, like, get a bunch of people over, play a game, you know, have, have some drinks, have some fun. Um, and apparently it won a bunch of awards for, like, best co-op game. So, um, check that out. But what yeah. have you been playing? Sounds really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It's, it, it's, it surprised me when they, when they told me about it. And yeah, I ended up playing a lot of stuff as usual, but, um. Any Danganronpa? Uh, no, no Danganronpa, but there is Hyperdimension Neptunia on the list. All right. Um, but that was mostly at Comic Con. I was trying to clean up a few of the trophies that I didn't get yet. But I finally beat the game on my Comic Con trip in the hotel room with everybody. So um, sadly, that means I have no new Neptunia games to play for at least another month until one of the new spinoffs comes out, or sequels, or whatever they bring out because they seem to just churn out content. By the way, I'm watching the Hyperdimension Neptunia anime right now. Is it any good? Um, kind of. I actually didn't like it when I watched it in Japanese, and then when I watched it again in English, I liked it a lot more, but I don't know. It's weird. It's like it's its, its own continuity, but there's a bunch of references to events that happen in the game. So, okay, so I don't know. It's, uh, I, I gotta get a Vita. If anybody listening to this show has a Vita in their closet and they want to ditch it, um, hit me up. Uh, you know, um, Leave a comment on our SoundCloud. Tweet me at Shane O'Hare, Shane at Geekscape.net. If you want to be weird, find me on Facebook. But uh, um, <laughs> uh, find my Tinder. Find 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 my Tinder. Find me on Grinder. I, I don't have a Grinder. Uh, <laughs> but I really want to. Um, uh, I want to get a Vita and start playing some of these games just for I don't know the novelty of playing Criminal Girls and saying I, ha- I own a copy of Criminal Girls. <laughs> yeah, no, I have that. I have that honor myself. But <laughs> um, yeah, while I'm on the on track with Vita. Um, the more I think about it, the more I think that Lost Dimensions was my favorite game at E3, just because the concept was so unique. Uh, that was the one I was talking about where it was an RPG where you're this team of psychics and every floor you go up, you have to sacrifice a party member to advance. Oh, that's right, that's right. But then like um, like a certain number of people in your party are actually traitors, so if you make it to the end of the game and you don't kill off the right people, you'll have to fight them alongside the last boss. So Ooh. I actually i am working on a review copy right now uh, the preview embargo just lifted, uh, I think, earlier this week, so I can talk about it a little more. Are you sure? Wait, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, th- there's no uh, there's no Arkham Knights in this, so we're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like the like the very the very first person, like I got to the first part where you have to execute the people, but it's 
and I'm still early in the game, but the gameplay is re- the gameplay solid. If you're familiar with Valkyria Chronicles, where it's kind of like you have full range of motion to a certain extent, but it's still like a turn-based RPG. So everyone has guns, and you can everyone's like a ranged fighter, but they all have different properties and that kind of thing and different abilities no, no, that make uh, them vary. Was Valkyria Chronicles that like World War Two alternate reality game? Yeah. Okay. okay. Like the gameplay similar to that. Okay. But uh, but yeah, like the only thing, and I kind of I kind of feared this because with the when it comes to this kind of concept where the the people who are double crossing you is actually randomized every time you play. So like on one playthrough or someone's playthrough is not going to be the same as someone else. But at the same time, it kind of sacrifices uh, character development. So everyone so far, I mean, they have their own little backstories and stuff, but they all just feel really generic. And it's like, so I mean, like, how do you how do you find out if somebody's a traitor? Um, well, you're like, since everyone in the party has a different psychic power, like your character's psychic power is like a faint ability to just flat out tell the future. So he'll like every time you finish a mission, whether it's a side mission or a story mission, he'll have like flashes of words paired with characters that are flying across the screen and like some of them are positive and some of them are negative and the negative ones are um, hinting or giving you clues that that they might be bad or they might be the traitor. And so if you do like all the side missions, you'll have almost a 100% chance to figure it out? Well, here's the thing, and I'm not far enough yet to... Because the very first time that you have to vote, it's fixed. Like the same... The only time in the game where it's not randomized is the first time where they kind of introduce the concept. But reading the reading the dialogue that I've read so far, it seems like some of them are red herrings. Like some of them are negative things. Like I hate these people, but it's not necessarily like I want to like, oh, I'm going to blow up the world or anything like that. Okay. So I think you're also supposed to kind of gauge what it is that they're saying versus just the fact that it's a negative thing. So give me, it, give me, an ex- give me an example. Like, is like, it like, I hate these people. Yeah. Like one of them was a character that I thought for sure was going to be a good guy. And she was like, Oh, like I can't stand these people. And, it, and that was early on. So I thought that threw me off and I was like, well, she must be bad. But then I came across a different characters, um, negative thought after a different mission. And they was like, Oh, can't like, like the world must burn. And I was like, "Oh, well, that fucker's definitely a, <laughs> <laughs> definitely a bad guy." And it's, then it's like it's like like man, she wore the same dress as me. I hate her. And it's like all must die. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And it's like I also, the other thing that clued me in on that that some of them are red herrings is that I kept I was level grinding, so I kept playing the same side mission over and over. And they give you new messages every time you finish a mission, regardless of if you've already completed it or not. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I got so many negative messages that the whole cast was <laughs> would have been <laughs> um, would have been bad if I went by every single negative message I saw. So I think it's one of those things where you have to pay attention because it does. It also only flashes by really quick, and it's multiple messages at the same time flashing across. Oh, that sounds cool. So it's like it encourage it gives you an extra like incentive to grind missions over and over again because if you're not sure if someone's bad you can keep going in and hope that you get a more clear message okay but i mean it's a really interesting concept it just feels the characters just feel kind of generic is my biggest complaint so far since you know you can't have a whole lot of character development for a character who could be randomly killed in the second mission or second chapter or whatever okay so do you think the gimmick like is gonna be a hindrance for the game like the game sounds like it's known for a lot of its character development especially a lot of those jrpgs are all about relationships do you think this gimmick is gonna detract it or is it gonna make up for it just because it's a cool gimmick um it's a give and take like i think that the gameplay aspects and the uniqueness that it brings makes up for it but it's still gonna be something that you that's that you will significantly notice that some of these characters kind of feel like more wooden, I guess. And there's really not as much character development. And as you mentioned, like a lot of these games do have relationship building and there is a separate section like that, where after each mission, if you talk to the first two people you talk to, um, you build like rapport with and they unlock new abilities, the more you get to know them, but that doesn't affect the overall story. It's kind of just learning bits and pieces about their back, like their background and that kind of stuff. Okay. So nothing that really affects the overall narrative. But yeah, All right. I, mean, um, I think I think we should start wrapping up. Is there anything you want to talk about before we get into our mission objectives? 
Um, just want to touch on a few things. Um, I know we talked about Arkham Knight a few weeks ago, and it's ironic because I think I played Arkham Knight more than the any of the other Batmans, but it's specifically because I don't like it that much and want to trade it in. <laughs> so, uh, whereas <laughs> with like Arkham City and Arkham Asylum, I knew that I would always have them so I could get to them later. <laughs> That's really so, funny. Yeah, but I mean... Outside of that, the only like I played a ton of stuff, so I can't go over it all. But the main thing, and a lot of it is gonna is for review, so that'll be up on the site with by the time the next episode's recorded, hopefully. But the last thing I really wanted to talk about, which we didn't get to on our Comic Con episode, was Lego Dimensions. Oh yeah, which quick, which is just like it's it's creative in the sense, or it's interesting in the sense that it seems like you can put in put down as many toys as you want on the portal, um, as long as they all fit which really? is different from Skylanders and Disney limiting you to like two at a time. But it's like, and it's just so weird seeing all these characters, like the demo had a portal stage, like the valve portal. And like you solve this puzzle and then like Homer Simpson flies through the portals on a wrecking ball. And it's just the most bizarre thing to see all these characters together. But like my biggest complaint, and this is what I was afraid of when I first saw that the game was announced, that the gameplay is essentially just like every other Lego game, except that, instead of being able to unlock a hundred characters and switch between them while you play, you have to buy a hundred characters and swap the figures. So it doesn't bring anything new to the table that like Traveler's Tales have been making these games for years and it's just the same thing. Yeah. It pretty much just feels like, I mean the character, the character variety is a little bit um, more varied than other ones. Like for example, shell from portal is the only one who has the portal gun. And then Doctor Who's there and like Scooby Doo and all this stuff. Wait, wait, but I mean, wait, 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 wait. There's like Portal Portal, like Valve Portal Portal. Yeah, Valve Portal. Oh, so it's not Portal. Like, wait, what? Like, yeah, there's, like there's a there's a there's a shell figure like, that shoots portals. Yeah, that seems really random. Yeah, no, it's like Portal is actually one. Like you know how Disney Infinity and Skylanders have like toys that unlock whole stages and story sections. Um, portal is actually one of the ones that you'll be able to buy. I think on day one where it's like a dedicated portal stage where you're going through the test chambers while GLaDOS is trying to kill you while you're playing as like fucking Scooby-Doo or Batman. That's, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's just going to be so expensive because like I said, you take, say, Star Wars, Lego Star Wars or Lego Marvel, which had like 60, 70 characters, and then you consider that this game plays and looks exactly the same, developed by Traveler's Tales also, but every individual character is a toy that you have to buy. Ugh. Huh. Well, um, are, are you going to get it? Um, no. I, I'm actually going to show restraint on this, this Good. one. Good. Um, so let's uh, get into our mission objective of the week. Um, in, uh, I guess, kind of a response uh, to uh, uh, Mac from Always Sunny uh, directing the Minecraft movie, the question for you guys is, what game do you want to be be seen turned into a movie, and who would you want to direct it? Um, Josh, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, mine would probably have to be M. Night Shyamalan directing an Arkham Knight movie so that the twist will be that the Arkham Knight isn't who it actually is, <laughs> so that we won't, wouldn't have get, gotten reamed for two weeks ago's episode. <laughs> Oh, that's really funny. Um, uh, okay. Um, mine is, uh, ostensibly less funny and poignant for Inside Baseball, but, um, one of my favorite games is LA Noir. And I would like to see an LA Noir movie, um, but directed by Michael Mann. And the only reason I say Michael Mann is because he created the show Southland. And, um, and that is, I think when we, an old mission objective is like, what two properties do I see mashed up? I said, I would love to see a Southland, um, LA Noir, like, mashup. So, seeing the guy who created that show, um, uh, and, you know, he's, he's done a lot of other stuff too. He's worked on Miami Vice. Uh, oh, fuck. No. God, fuck. Oh, I fucked this up big time, didn't I? <laughs> I, I fucked this up big time. No. <laughs> No, fuck. He didn't make Southland. I would like to see him make an L.A. Noir movie with the vibe of Southland because he directed Collateral, and I think I I really like the the style of that movie. And he worked on a bunch of other cop dramas like Miami Vice. I fucked that up big time, didn't I? <laughs> no, it's funny too that you mentioned Collateral. I just was talking about that movie two weeks ago because, uh, and 
if you've never seen Collateral Spoilers, this is the part where you want to pause it because that's yeah, what we, we, we do here. Okay, this is this is currently at uh, one hour, one minute by our recording, and we and we started recording about three minutes in. So anybody who is worried about spoilers, Jonathan London, this is where you want to pause it, and we'll come back. Yes. Uh, so Collateral, <laughs> ten years ago when it came out, and <laughs> like the movie ended with um, you know Tom Cruise dying on the on the train, and he made a comment early in the movie that said, you know, in L.A. if you die. You could die on the train and no one would notice. And then Jamie Foxx ends up killing him on the blue line train and no one noticed. And <laughs> it's funny that you brought up that movie because I was just thinking about how I used to ride the blue line train through like the worst parts of the ghetto. And I would always think of that movie every time I was on my way to my night shift. And I was like, oh, motherfucker, like someone's going to kill me and no one's going to know it because no one cares in L.A. I, the, the only thing that um, I'm really bad with... Um, I'm really bad with public transportation. Uh, I I don't know what it is. I'm just like like I I I I'm not trying to like discredit myself, uh, but I turn into a retard when it comes to public transportation. I just can't figure it out. It I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just scared, and I'm from Podunk, Alaska. But I years ago I was in L.A. pre Comic Con, and John had to go. I was with John, and he had to do something. Um, I think he had to go do a test screening or or something. And I was in the Grove. Uh, with like three hours to spare. My sister is in Santa Monica and she's like, hey, come, you know, hop on the bus and come see me. I get on the bus and she's west, yeah, west of where I was. I hop on the bus and I'm on the bus for about an hour, hour and a half. And I'm like, man, I remember this scene from, I remember this from Southland. I'm like, that, that landmark, that's where that kid got shot. I started noticing more and more landmarks from the show Southland. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm going east. <laughs> so I went like <laughs> almost two hours into deep east LA. And I was like, all right, turn around. But, um, I, I successfully navigated the, the, the subway system post Comic Con getting to Universal Studios. So I think I'm, I'm finally figuring out this whole public transportation thing. No deaths yeah. yet. I'm, su- I'm surprised that you, I'm actually impressed that you figured out what direction you were going based off of landmarks from Southland. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's one of my favorite shows. So, um, all right. Um, so yeah, that's our mission objective for you guys. What video game movie do you want to see made and with what director? Um, we have a contest for you. Uh, Josh, why don't you tell us about it? Uh, yeah. So at Comic Con, we were lucky enough to get our hands on a advanced Darth Vader Disney Infinity 3.0 figure. Um, that we wanted to give away to our listeners and our readers. So there's going to be two ways to enter and you can enter both ways as long as you're a Disney Infinity fan of course so the first way and probably the easiest for anyone who just wants a cool Darth Vader figure and doesn't play the game is to share um, any one of the articles that I'm putting up for our E3 preview or our Comic Con preview so of any so Disney. any of our Disney Disney Infinity 3.0 articles on geekscape.net right and then make sure if you share it on Facebook or Twitter, make sure to you know, let us know, especially if it's on Twitter, because it'll be harder to see unless you guys uh, either just retweet or you know, or tweet us at Geekscape Games or at Geekscape.net, and we'll tally up that entry. Make and sure then, and hashtag uh, hashtag Geekscape Disney Infinity. How's that work? Perfect. So yes, hashtag Geekscape a Disney geek. I'm oh, sorry. What was that again? <laughs> Geeks, Geekscape Geek, Disney, Disney Infinity. Infinity. Geekscape Disney Infinity. Yep. So when you share it. Make sure to use that hashtag so we can uh, tally up your entry. And also, if you are a Disney Infinity fan, you'll have a second way to enter where you can take a picture of your Disney Infinity collection and share it with us on either our Facebook or Twitter feeds with the same hashtag. Yep. So basically, you can. there's two ways to enter. You can enter both ways. And we will say, what, in about two weeks, we'll choose the, we'll choose the winner at random. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll give it a we'll give it two weeks. Okay, perfect. So, uh, so we'll have that Darth Vader figure. We actually have a lot of stuff to give away between E three and um, Comic Con that we've been able to pick up for for you guys out there. So yeah, uh, make sure to you know, keep following us, keep listening to the show, and we'll update you as the new contests roll around. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so um, thanks for listening, guys. This was level thirty eight. Um, if you're listening to us on SoundCloud, give us a like, give us a comment, leave the answers to the mission objective in the SoundCloud, um, uh, comment section. Please, please, please share with your friends. Um, if 
you know, you have some friends that you think would enjoy our content, please uh, give it a share. You can follow us on Twitter at Geekscape Games. You can follow me on Twitter at Shane O'Hare. And I'm at Enu Joshua. And I guess Derek is at D. Kranevelt and Juan is at the King of Mars. And one little bit of self-promotion. Uh, August 3rd, I'm going to be DJing on a local radio station, KN, KNBA 90.3. But if you guys want to listen to me DJ live, if you go to KNBA.org, um, uh, you can listen to it live. So Monday, August 3rd, 8 p.m. Alaska time. That's 9 p.m. Pacific. Uh, so you can listen to me play some tunes for a couple hours and uh, talk about uh, music. And ponies. Yeah, ponies. Why not? So uh, that's it. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. And we'll see you back here next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.